we want to talk about the Enneagram a little bit, and I want you to tell me all Kelsey's secrets. Oh my gosh. Based on. <laughs> I got to remember your number, two or nine. Well, don't tell her. Just see if you can guess based on. Ask her some questions. So, you know, we got to have like a mixed audience here. We have a lot of therapists that listen to the podcast, but we also have a lot of non-therapists and people. When we mention the Enneagram, a lot of them don't really even know what it is. So we thought it might just be kind of nice for you just to tell us and then talk about it a little bit. And and I'm also curious how you use it, just your expertise and stuff with it, just in your life in general and your business and in your interactions with others. And are you like secretly judging people at the McDonald's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and guessing their number and then all that good stuff. Hi, I'm Casey and right here beside me is Kelsey. We are licensed professional counselors, mothers, entrepreneurs, oh, and besties. We know firsthand what it's like to wake up one day and think, how in the heck did I wind up here? Through our own journeys of self-discovery, we found that joy is something that has to be pursued through internal work. Now we are on a mission to help women from all walks of life understand themselves more so they can have real lasting joy. Join us every Thursday to hear fun and insightful interviews with experts who can point you toward self-discovery and fulfillment. I'm a one, so I'm judging everybody all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Okay. So, yeah, tell us like what it is and how you came to be what you are with it. And we'll kind of just go from there. Yeah. What am I with it? I don't even know. There's no title for what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I guess I just call myself an Enneagram lover. Um, So how I got into the Enneagram was my husband came home from the seminary library where he worked in the library and all these counselors were coming in and getting books on the Enneagram. And he was like, what's that? Now I'll go ahead and tell you he's an Enneagram five, which is the investigator. So he grabs the books and starts reading them because he has to understand anything that he has a question about. So he's reading about it. He's like, this is really fascinating. And of course, then he starts to realize that I think my wife is a one. So he comes home, he sits down on the sofa and says, Whitney, I believe you're an Enneagram type one. And I said, what does that mean? He said, well, you have a voice in your head at all times telling you how the world could be a better place. And I was like, yeah, honey, we all have that. He was like, no, we don't. I was like, what? (laughs) I am cursed. (laughs) So that's how I learned that I was an Enneagram one. The other thing he said was, you are really angry at the world for being so messed up. And I was like, I'm not angry at anybody. I'm perfect. (laughs) So the Enneagram one thinks that they're perfect and they do think that the world is messed up. And now I have learned that I really am angry all the time. So that's how I learned about the Enneagram. And it nailed me so spot on. Took me a while to figure it out, but it nailed me so spot on. I was like, this is amazing. I have to understand this more and it helped me go on my road to knowing me, Yeah, which really has helped me to understand and have a greater compassion for other people. I think that that's amazing. I mean, there's all kinds of different things out there, you know, to understand yourself better. And I remember going through my graduate program and having to take all of these personality tests and like all that stuff. And, you know, some of them were close, but I never really felt like I got the full. It wasn't, you know, and and over the years, as more things have come to be like the Enneagram and some of the different things, it. I feel like it's more of a collective group of information or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like I take things from each, from each thing. 
and make meaning out of it. I love yeah. I love some personality tests. I remember in high school and even in grad school, they'd be like, all right, now I want you to take this assessment about yourself. And I'd be like, yes. Both of you know about the Enneagram and you wanted me to talk about it. What makes you like the Enneagram? Well, so Casey had all of the staff take it at one point in time and I was late. I had, there was something I had to do. You're so always I, late. That's I, why. I didn't get the chance to take it, but everyone was like talking like, I'm a six and I'm this and everyone was comparing numbers and I just like the layer that it added when all of our staff took it to kind of like understand how they operate and how they maybe view things or take criticism and I don't know. Yeah, we did it at a retreat. We did a retreat down in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and that was one of the activities that I had everyone do. And it was really cool for me just because, you know, I thought I kind of had an idea, but it was new to me at the time. It was really cool. And I wish I could remember. That's been like. That was a long time ago. That was the first time I ever heard about it. It was like maybe four years ago, close to four years ago. But I mean, just seeing their Enneagrams and then like the positions they were in within my company was kind of cool. Because most of like my office support staff that was very client focused, all were similar in their in their numbers. And same with like my back end people. It was very similar. And then like what was really cool is the team leaders all had like they were all ones or eights, which was interesting. So I just thought it was kind of cool to see how it all shook out personality wise mixed with where they fell within the business. Definitely. Did you have some threes? Three is the achiever. Mm. I think we had one. Who one person it? who was an achiever. Do you remember? I don't, but I remember hearing that number and like nobody else was those numbers. I don't remember. I don't remember a three. I mostly remember the peace what is it, the peacekeeper or the is it the, the non? The, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I remember we had a lot of helpers. Was that Mm -hmm. a two? And those were like all of our client care people. Yes. (laughs) And then our back office people were definitely the challengers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Kelsey, you brought up a good point here that the Enneagram kind of helps you understand people. It shows us the box that we're already in. Okay. Right. It's like everybody's walking around the world with such a lack of insight, right? (laughs) So then when you understand the Enneagram, you're like, oh, that's who I am. People get upset about taking the test because they're like, well, I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be told who I am. Well, that's even worse. You might as well figure out who you are instead of running away from who you are. So that's what I love about the Enneagram. It's not putting me in a box. It's letting me know the one I'm in so that I can move within it in the most healthy way possible. Yeah, I like that. So tell her about yours a little bit. Let's let's understand you a little bit more. A nine. Everyone says that I'm a six right off the bat. But then every time I've taken it, I've been a nine. Can you see that? Yeah, I was actually making notes here already because you told me at the beginning because I couldn't remember because we did take the test when we were at Meet You in Kentucky. So the fact that you were like, yeah, she's always late. I was like, oh, goodness. (laughs) Not that we want to type people because we're not supposed to do that, but I do it all the time. But, you know, what was curious to me is a lot of nines, some of them shy away from taking the Enneagram because they don't want to deal with conflict. They don't want to deal with knowing things sometimes. So, you know, you're moving in your healthy place to want to even take the Enneagram. So that's <laughs> good. There. I'm getting there. What? That's good. What's the six? Six is the loyalist. Oh, okay. So 
Another fascinating thing about the Enneagram is it shows you where you move in strength. And then when you move in, I say weakness, you're supposed to be nicer than that. Like (laughs) not as much strength. I don't know. When the nine is in a place of strength, they move towards three. So they start taking on more of an achiever mentality, getting things done. And then when they're in an unhealthy place, they move towards six. And six becomes very fearful, uh, risk adverse. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. me. That's so you. Yeah. That's yeah. Definitely me. So you can see how helpful that is. And actually, what you really want to do is you're going to move to a place of stress. Like we're all going to move to a place of stress. You know, you're going to move towards six. So instead of the negative characteristics of sticks, taking on the positive characteristics of a six when you move in that place. And that's like being loyal. You know, um, really moving towards other people instead of pulling away from people, caring for the needs of others. Like those are the positive characteristics of the six that you want to move into instead of being fearful. So tell me again, what are the negatives of a six? Yeah, sixes are risk adverse. If the one has a voice in their head at all times telling the world could be better, the six has a committee. They're at a committee table discussing all the risks involved in every decision. They kind of have analysis paralysis. Oh my gosh. That is like the thing that drives me insane about health. Well, and it prevents me from achieving things a lot of the time because I'm so like, well, what are the risks in this? And this could be really bad. That is super interesting. That makes more sense because some people do perceive me as a six, but there is a downside to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Now, we know our biggest strengths are our biggest weaknesses. So being risk adverse is also a strength of yours. Yeah. Because yeah. Casey wants to like do all these big things and you're like, hold up. Yeah. You Casey's, might want to think about that. Casey's the cliff <laughs> cliff jumper and I'm like, the. Mm, we should probably think about <laughs> right? that a little bit. So that's good. You're balancing each other in a healthy way. Well, yeah. yeah so recently, this is kind of funny. This is an example of that. Are you tired of running to the lobby to see if your next appointment has arrived? Would you like a more discreet, stress-free way for your clients to check in? Take a deep breath. The receptionist for iPad empowers your practice to create a zen-like check-in experience. This episode is sponsored by the receptionist for iPad. It's the highest rated digital check-in software for therapy and behavioral health offices used by thousands of practitioners across the country. The receptionist for iPad is a simple, inexpensive way to allow your clients to discreetly check in, to notify providers of a patient's arrival, and to ensure your front lobby is stress-free. The software sends an immediate notification to the therapist when a client checks in and can even ask if any patient information has changed since their last visit. Start a 14-day free trial of the receptionist for iPad by going to thereceptionist.com slash besties. And when you do, you'll also get your first month free when you sign up. I had this idea. So my primary vehicle got, I was in a car accident. It was almost totaled. Not quite. So it was like $68,000 of damage. So it's been in the shop for what, like three months. I have no idea when it's going to get out. And then my other vehicle, which is the one that our kids' nanny drives, and anyway, she can't drive. I hope she didn't listen to this. Sorry, Leanne. If you are, you can't drive. But she got in a wreck. And so both of the vehicles that we normally are using on a daily basis are now not functioning. (laughs) 
I was like, I had this big bright idea that, okay, like we can do this with the car situation and we'll trade this one in because we owe enough on it that I could get a new one. And anyway, there's just like all this rationale here. Well, I try to tell Kelsey and instantly she's like, that doesn't really make any sense to me. I don't think that makes any sense. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I just let it go. I didn't even say anything else about it for a while, a few weeks probably. And then I tried it again. And so then I was like laying it out there for her. And I was investigating. I was like, okay, so tell me how much this payment is versus this payment. And like, what would that mean if we traded it in? Asking all the questions. And so I said, well, let's just drive down the road and go look. We only have an hour. We got to get back to work. Let's just go. Let's just hurry and go. So we get down there, see the car because I'd already looked online. I'd already done all the stuff behind the scenes. Like I'd looked online. I looked how much it cost. I looked at the interest rates. I looked at all those things. She didn't know. I didn't tell her. I just snuck her in there. And then we drive it. And she's like, yeah, I mean, I think I want to go try something else. And I was like, okay, let's go. And so we mosey down the road and look at something else. And anyway, by the end of the day, we bought it. But I had to sneak it in there. And she was not like, she was struggling in the beginning of this whole process of the day. You know, like she was so. I had anxiety. My fingertips were numb. Her whole arms were numb for like two hours. Her elbows, her hands, her fingers. I'm like, because of a car? She's like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> freaking out who bought the car both of us both of us yeah okay. but, but okay. like the the moral of the story is, is i'm a little bit more hesitant and it actually is a better thing and a cheaper thing based on what we did and so then i was like okay i can i can deal with this this is okay i feel better y'all i am dying laughing you're not going to believe this but last night this is like right before we're gonna watch netflix i look at my husband and i'm like can we just give the nanny your car <laughs> See? Because she got in an accident and lost her car. And it's been the most stressful thing with our kids. Yeah. And I was like, just give her your car. We'll buy you a new one. He's like, no, we have to put that boundary. I'm not comfortable. He's a five, but he has a six wing. So, but maybe I need to take your advice and I need to just take him to the car dealership and maybe I'll yeah. bring him over the edge. See? Yeah. <laughs> It actually kind of worked out. So. It did. Well, and then I got her in there because she also is non-confrontational whatsoever. So as we're buying this car, she's just kind of like sitting back. Casey's like, okay, next time they come out, you're going to tell them no. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I yeah. can't do that. I was like, you got to help me. You, you've got to help me because I, I was like, no, that's nope. I'm not doing that. That's not going to work. And Kelsey's just sitting over there smiling, just as happy as she can be. But then when they put pressure on her, she'll she'll just cave. So I guess that definitely is your personality type. What number are you, Casey? Well, this is we we remember I asked you about this. I said, can I change? And you kind of said no. But I don't know. Maybe I don't know. What it, what was your original number? I was the challenger. So an eight. In a place of strength, move t- moves towards two, which is the helper. And I want to say in weakness, they move towards five. I'd have to look at the picture again. But so, you know, the two is the helper. And so they become very compassionate, putting the needs of others beyond themselves. It's a really good dynamic for a therapist to have. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What do you think? What's a five? The investigator. Oh, that's so you. 
Yeah. How so? Because I think of the times where you... Two is a what again? Two is the helper. Okay, helper. I think about when you're very, like, in a good space and you're like, okay, let's help these people. Let's get this done. I really want to do this because this is going to... But when it's not so good, you're very much an investigator. Like, there has to be more to what these people are saying. <laughs> this is this is not it. Like, they're probably behind closed doors and they totally are, like, judging me or judging something of... Yeah, a so little bit to... more cynical and skeptical. Yeah. I used to think I was a one. Mm-hmm. And I could see that back during that time, but I just don't see that anymore. Yeah. One thing I love about the Enneagram is, I mean, it's obviously multifaceted, but another aspect of it is stances. So stances are the way we interact with other people. It's assertive, compliant, and withdrawn. That's the technical ways to say it. How I like to say it is there's withdrawn. Compliant doesn't mean that you just do anything. It means you're drawn to people. So I think of those as moving towards people. Withdrawn is moving away from people. And then assertive is independent, moving on their own. So a good analogy is the person who um, is moving towards people says, I'm driving a bus and I want everyone on it with me. Where do y'all want to go? Let's decide together. The independent person is saying, I'm driving a bus. I'd love for y'all to come, but I don't really care. I'm going where I want to go. And if you want to have fun, come with me. <laughs> that's that's the eight. And then the last one, the withdrawn person is like, I'm just going to take my own car. I don't want to ride with anybody. Yeah. Right. And so I think that helps us understand ourselves. You know, do you, I guess the question between one and eight is the one moves towards people. So I never want to go to a party by myself. I don't want to travel by myself. I want to have people with me. But the eight would be like, totally fine doing whatever they have to do, moving in whatever they want. You're definitely an eight. Yeah. I, I'll go anywhere by myself. I don't care. It doesn't bother me a bit. I'll go have dinner. I'll go. I would cringe. Mm, doesn't bother me. I like it. I think my daughter, my oldest daughter, I can see a lot of that in her as well. She's just like, I'm doing what I'm doing and you can come or you cannot. Do you see tendencies in relationships, like, do you see, because you mentioned earlier about balancing, are there certain numbers that balance each other more so in relationships? Yeah, yeah. So we wouldn't necessarily say these two numbers need to get together or yeah. something like that, or these two should never be together. It's more about how healthy you are and your awareness level. Now, of course, I'm going to say that ones and fives are great together because that's what I married. <laughs> and we both like to notice people and make fun of them. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I wanted to go back real quick and, and comment on what you said about what number you were and you were like, oh, can I change? Uh -huh. Technically, you can't change, but you become more healthy. So you become more well-rounded because you would think the ideal person is every number on the Enneagram in a healthy way. So as you mature and grow and gain insight, you're going to see less of your strong tendencies towards each number. Because like for, like a challenger, you're not going to challenge everybody all the time. Now, an unhealthy challenger would do that, but you're less likely to do that. And you're more likely to listen and have compassion and challenge as appropriately. Yeah. Which might make it harder to figure out your number because you're not so strongly in your number. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So any relationship can go great together as long as you understand and have compassion for one another. I thought your example of the car dealership was perfect because you both kind of like picked on each other, but you both appreciated one another and you learned how to do it together. Yeah, I, sometimes I think that during my heiress, everything now is like my 14-year-old. She's like, you're in your hateful era, mom. 
But in my more unhealthy era, I guess, as an eight, where I was leaning toward five, I don't think that I could have, I don't think that our relationship would have worked in the same way because me as a more insightful, healthy person, I'm able to compromise differently than I ever was in the past. We saw some examples. We did an anti-retreat this weekend and it was it was really cool yeah. to see some of the partners, how they're functioning in their businesses. And <laughs> one of them, she was talking and I was like, yeah, you just railroad, you just railroad him. He doesn't even have an opinion. You just like railroad right over him. And that would have been me several years ago. And now it's like, there's things that I compromise on in relation to Kelsey that in the past I would have, it would have never even been a thought. Like I would have never just, I'm just going to do what I want. And I just really don't, doesn't matter. And I think also because of her personality, it's just different and it, it allows me to kind of soften a little bit in that way. How do you think people, let's say that they've never even heard of the Enneagram and they want to go do it. How would you recommend? Cause you're like, awareness is key, right? Like awareness in, in the numbers. What would you encourage people to do or other people to do when they discover what number they are? Or yeah, how do they yeah. discover what number they are? Mm-hmm. That's a good question too. Um, so I first just encourage them to take a test. So there are definitely free ones online. Of course, what you get what you pay for, but I usually push people towards a free one online. And then once they get their number, they can read about it and determine if that's them or not. And then if they're still struggling or they're between numbers, you know, read about all of them. And then there's some more accurate tests. The Wagner is the one that I give to people that I do consulting with or in my practice, if they're struggling to find their number, it's like 15 bucks online. So that's the one that I send people to. I'm laughing because people will take the test and deny who they are. And it's hilarious, right? Like even when my husband said, you're angry at the world, I was like, no, I'm not. And then like two weeks later, I was like, oh crap, I'm so pissed all the time, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I have to tell you this story though. Um, so I interviewed, oh my gosh, hopefully this person is not going to listen to the show, but I interviewed this girl and she was great. Like I was like, she'd be a great you know, we would love to hire her, blah, blah, blah. So then the last part of our hiring process is taking the Enneagram. And I even said to her in the interview, it's not for me to determine your number or only hire certain numbers. It's just to see if you can take a test and gain some insight about yourself. Because don't you want to hire a therapist that knows how to understand themselves? She took that test and sent the most intense email about how she was not the number that came up. And it was, I am not this, I am not that. I never have any motives outside of the motive of the other person. I never have anything that I'm trying to do. Well, that's just a lie. (laughs) I got that email and just died laughing. I was like, you really like, and it'd be one thing to send like a sentence or two. She sent like 20 sentences outlining, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not this. I, oh man, I was so grateful I didn't hire her. She couldn't say anything was her fault. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We all have stuff that's our fault. But so I do incorporate it into the process. But yes, there are some people, usually if you get six, people get very upset when they're six. (laughs) Really? It's just a tough number to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's Emily? Emily's a one. We bonded over our one. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I should have known that. I don't know what I, you know, interestingly enough, like you said, people don't want to be a six. Mm -hmm. That would be like, if I was just looking at it, that would be who I'd want to be. (laughs) That sounds awful. That, yeah. But you it's know what because, I'm saying? It's because of the level of anxiety they have to deal with. 
I love sixes, actually. They are, I mean, I love everybody, I guess, but except for maybe, well, anyway, I won't go there, but I love sixes and they're loyal. They are so loyal and good, beautiful people. And they move towards people, which I do as well. That was something for me that was really insightful. I used to get really offended that I would like think about people a lot or reach out to them a lot. And I just felt like people didn't reciprocate. Once I learned that I have a different personality type that I move towards people, I was like, oh, no wonder they don't reciprocate. They're moving away from me or they don't, they move independently. That really helped me. So I love sixes because we both move towards each other. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like I'm doing all the work in the relationship. I think that would be really helpful in, in just any kind of relationship, understanding that number, if they move towards people or if they move independently. Like, mm-hmm. that's a huge thing mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people take friendships and they're like, this person doesn't do enough. But what if it's not in their box? Mm-hmm. That's well, right. And helping them to see, hey, when you here's my example, I have a dear friend that's a nine and she would never respond to our college, like our college friends. We still text. She would never respond. And I'd always get pissed. I'm like, Why can't you just pick up the phone and respond to the message? It doesn't take three days. Of course, for her, that's a lot of work to respond to a text message because she's a nine. So once I learned that, I was like, oh, I need to give her a little bit more more leeway. But then I also was able to say, hey, girl, you're a nine. Learn about yourself and respond to a text message a little faster. And now she does. So we kind of like got in the middle there. Yeah, that's probably really if that probably feels really good for you to hear that and understand that, because that is 100 percent you. Mm hmm. I mean, it's it's infuriating to me because I'm like to do it now. Let's just do it now. Let's do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Get it done. Get it done. Get it done. And she's over here like, well, let me ponder on it for a week or two and then I'll get back to you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I do struggle. That. I do struggle with texting. I would much rather somebody just call me up and have a quick conversation. But it, it just feels like a lot of energy. And that sounds awful, but it seems like a lot of energy to text and ha- carry on a conversation all throughout the night. Well, she didn't say about carrying on a conversation all throughout the night. Is that what keeps you from responding? Do you think it's going to continue on? No, I just want the correct. Mm, this is a good question because I've been struggling with this and the older I get, the worse it gets. I think it goes back to being like a six kind of like in that realm is I want to be able to be loyal and provide the space of like serenity i guess and i don't always have the ability to do that on the fly for people Mm. in my life so if i'm busy i tend to just avoid it (laughs) so kind of the idea that you can't do it well so you don't want to do it at all yeah very perfectionistic and you know i never before i really knew kelsey i never even realized that she carried so much anxiety i mean she masks it really well but under the surface it's like brewing always and that's i don't know that was different for me because i've never i've never experienced that with anyone before it's like anxiety with like an emotional spin you know it's not just i'm freaking out that i might die in a plane crash it's like perfectionism anxiety yeah another aspect of the enneagram is their quadrants so that's gut heart and head it's kind of where we hold things so the gut triad is the eight, nine, and one. So you hold things in your body and you feel them, right? So you're talking about your anxiety. It's like you're holding that anxiety and it's hard to release it because you're feeling it in your body. Yeah. I didn't know, I didn't know about the quadrant. Yeah. 
Well, mm-hmm. and I would say people in that quadrant probably deal with more physical ailments and, you know, headaches, stomach ache, which mm-hmm. definitely makes sense. Yeah. Because if, so- if I'm responding to something, I'm responding to it internally in my body. It, like, I can feel it. I'll tell Casey, I'm like, my hands are numb. My hands are numb. My <laughs> elbow is numb. And she she feels it in her neck and her back. Like, she gets a lot of stress stress headaches and things mm-hmm. like that. So that makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. They're, they're also all the anger triad, the gut anger. You know, we're holding all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went to a rage room recently. <laughs> How was that? That was fun. I thought I slit my throat. I mean, on a like a, a bottle. I didn't. It grazed me, but it felt like. She has bad luck. I had I do. fun. I like smashed a bunch of stuff. It was great. Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, I realized how out of shape I was. I, we didn't really have enough rage going into it, though. No, we were pretty much just giggling. Yeah, I think if you if you had the rage going in, it'd be better. So I have one last question for you, because I didn't ask you this in the beginning. We just kind of jumped right in. So what are you doing now? What have you been working on? Well, I did just host my first summit. I saw that. So that was fun. I wish we could have been there. I wish too. And we will have more years of more fun events. Yes, please. Um, did it go well? So that was really great. <laughs> yeah, it went well. I had 70 people. So that was good for the first. And uh, we were here in Savannah and had a really great time. I will just tell you, I was very shocked how down I went afterwards. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you experienced that, y'all, after the events, but after meet you in Kentucky, but like, dang, I I was like depressed for a week. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's me after I have to pretty much cancel everything the week after because I'm I'm dead. Yeah. And even my um, marketing director who was doing it with me, like we both came back, I guess we took two days off and came back and then. I saw her and she looked rough. <laughs> she was like, I'm struggling. I was like, me too. Like we could barely have a conversation. We couldn't even think straight. So yeah. it took me a full week, but it was a lot of fun and uh, helped me really re- remember what I'm doing. So I do consulting for faith-based practice owners. And what does faith-based mean? Basically Christian, but not overly Christian because I can't stand that. So <laughs> so, the, so these practice owners, some of them are overtly Christian in the way they're in the practice. Some of them just are Christians and also have a private practice, but our faith influences the way we work. So that's what I'm doing with consulting. The community is called Wise Practice. So I have a podcast, Wise Practice, a membership community and do individual consulting. And then when I'm not consulting, I'm running a group practice uh, here in Savannah, Georgia. So private pay. I'm about to hire two more therapists and lose a therapist. So I think it's going to put me at 15, which I love. I feel really great with that number. I really enjoy it a lot in that community. So I'm doing that. My husband's a pastor. He actually just got his first church. So he's had his second sermon preached uh, yesterday. And then I have two little ones, ages 10 and 7. That's cool. So what are what are your what's your next thing? Like are you working on any other event coming up or Yep. So um I actually kind of copied you because you're awesome. And I went on ahead and promoted the next summit at that summit and I was super scared. I mean, that was stressful because I had to put that money down on the next one before this one happened. I was like, hope it runs well. Hope people like it. So anyway, (laughs) sold 30 tickets, which was Almost half. So I was really excited about that. So we're going to Charlotte next year in October. Cool. Nice. Okay. Well, hopefully we can make that one. We will let you get on with your day. I'm so glad to be able to catch up with you and talk to you. And 
find us some Savannah banana tickets and um, let us know if there's anything we can do to support you. We appreciate it. It's been fun. It's been great. Thanks. I learned some things about myself. (laughs) Good. Always a good time. If you're enjoying our podcast and would like to hear more from us, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast so we can keep making great content. Talk to you later, besties.